Hey guys, it's Katie and Mandy. Welcome to the Dirty Britches Minisode. Hey everybody, we're back for a minisode, which will be, like all other minisodes, a conglomeration <laughs> not related to any of the other minisodes who've done. Random thoughts and, from the week. And I realized we didn't do one last week. No, last week kind of got away from us. I know. You, you know, yeah, there's, you ran a half marathon. I think you have an excuse. Mm, yeah, I mean, I let's be clear that I didn't really prepare well for that half marathon. <laughs> so it was probably a bad idea, but I did it and I didn't die and I did better than I thought that I would. That's and great. I'm really proud of yeah. you. I, yeah. I, how long is a half marathon? Like 13 miles? 13, 13.1 miles. Well, then yeah. you ran 13.1 miles more than me last week. That's <laughs> exactly what you did. It's almost like 14 miles more because I swear to God. I don't know if there's a way to like neg- negatively exercise, like just do do so little that your body like wastes away. But that's what I feel like happened. Well, here's the thing. So I did that um, and I've been training a little bit for it. So I feel like I've been somewhat active, um, but I got back on my scale this morning and I should just really throw that thing away. Yeah. And from last week before I went to do this marathon to this week, it says I have gained 6.6 pounds in one muscles. week. Maybe it's like how you don't gain that much muscle. I'm like, what is that? I think that my um, scale is broken. So I proposed this to Josh, who then that's my husband proceeded to step on the scale and be like, Nope, that's right. That's exactly what it says for mm-hmm. me. And I was like, I hate you. (laughs) I'm going to say that it must be water weight from like muscle that got like kind of broken down and like you always retain more water after really strenuous. I think that's great. Whenever I try not to think about it too much because it is really stressful. I just want to be healthy more than anything. Like I don't, I'm not worried about whatever else. Um, (laughs) but it's always like, what excuse can I come up with? Well, it's my period or I'm just getting over my period or it's, um, ovulation. There's like always a reason it's every day of the month. There's a menstrual reason to not want to do anything. Exactly. (laughs) That's where I meant. It works. Well, welcome (laughs) everybody. Anyway, (laughs) this is actually, (laughs) this is a history podcast, despite what you might think 30 seconds into this mini sode, we are focused on. The history of white women's complicity and white supremacy. We are two longtime childhood friends who are also white ladies. And the minisodes are our chance just to catch up on current events or like side notes or tangents that we couldn't get into. Right now in our season, we're focused on um, white women's involvement in slavery. And I am super excited. Should we announce our news? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. We are reading the book, They Were Her Property, by an incredible historian, Stephanie Jones Rogers, who's a professor at UC Berkeley. And in a million years, I did not think she would respond or be willing or able to talk to us. And guess what? She is. And I just about lost my mind. I was so excited (laughs) and nervous and giddy and we are recording our conversation with her tomorrow and we will have that um, to share with everybody. But we are just like beyond excited. I think I sent you like, is it GIF, GIF? What is it? Yeah. The, I say GIF, GIF, but I don't, I think I, I'm not I sure. I used up all my like excited 
ones to say. I think I sent you like Dancing, eight in a row. screaming. Because <laughs> yeah. I was so excited. <laughs> so that's coming up. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about before I dive into our topic today? Gosh, I feel like we have a lot going on, but it's not all exactly worked out yet. So yeah. we are doing a lot of things we and we're doing. super excited about them. Yes. So, agreed. yeah. Yeah. Yay. Okay. But yeah, let's jump well, in. We don't have like one to single topic. Yes. I do I actually do. have quite a bit to tell you about this news story. I'm sure people heard um, that this actress, Ellie Kemper, who was in the office and the um, incredible, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, there's mm. like a current news story that totally is right up our alley because it's about white women and it's about history of white supremacy. So I'm going to tell us a little bit about that. And it took me down some rabbit holes for sure. But you had something you wanted to talk about relating to voting rights, which we talked about in our yeah. last season. Yeah, really, I just want to take this moment to shit on Joe Manchin a little bit because <laughs> he is shitting on the entire country and he just needs to be called out for it. He's really, really up in my craw, whatever the hell that means these days. He's pissing me off. So Joe Manchin, Senator from where where is he from? West Virginia. Why do I, I think? not know this? What, right? Yeah, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um don't know. Somewhere there in the southish, east-ish part of the country. <laughs> uh-huh. Um and currently the For the People Voting Rights Act is trying to make its way through Congress. Narrowly passed through the House, of course, zero Republicans voted for it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's going to the Senate, and it would have to get down to like a party lines vote, and then um, Kamala Harris would be the tiebreaker, and then it could pass, except for Joe. And <laughs> my sister sent me this. <laughs> This little uh, tweet, whatever somebody put out the other day that said, fuck all the Joes, like Joe Manchin, (laughs) Joe Biden. I'm sure there are really good Joes out there. Sorry, Joes, you're really screwing things up right now. Um, But Joe Manchin has said that he will not vote for it, effectively just killing it. Mm -hmm. Because if he doesn't vote for it, then it's not going to happen. Yeah, Yeah, and here's the thing about him saying that he's not going to vote for it. He says that he won't vote for it because it has zero Republican support and he is trying to pull this bipartisan blah, blah, blah thing. Mm -hmm. But in 2019, that was just two years ago, people. (laughs) He co-sponsored this same bill in Congress when it also had zero Republican support. Mm -hmm. So what is the difference now? Also, it's weird that you would co-sponsor a bill that you later wouldn't vote for yourself. That seems weird. Yeah. I don't know. Now he says that he's not voting for it, which is, of course, um, pissing off a lot of other Democrats in Congress. Yeah. Jamal Bowman, a representative from New York, um, oh. called him the new Mitch McConnell and says that he's he is his obstruction of the agenda isn't serving anyone. Um, and let's see who else. There's a couple of other people. Um Amy Klobuchar, like, retweeted someone's tweet that said, just going to bed thinking about how Joe Manchin sponsored the For the People Act in 2019. Um, But his argument is he just can't support a voting rights bill that has no bipartisan support. I I don't understand this. The the thing that Democrats have done to themselves over time, Republicans are more than happy 
to sponsor and push through anything that doesn't have democratic support. They don't give a shit. How come we are playing this game with them where we want to be bipartisan if they're not voting for the right things? I mean, why do we care? Well, can you just for people who are listening who may not be up on all the like policy wonkishness, like thinking about our last season of voting rights and you had had taken the lead on the kind of post 19th amendment, all of the attacks on people of color and the ways that different legislation and different efforts have tried to through gerrymandering and through voter restriction laws, like tried to keep the voting block as white as possible. And that this legislation is aimed at trying to stop those things that have been happening. What was the Supreme court case? Do you remember the name of it? Um, that, the Supreme Court case in 2013 that kind of like dismantled the main parts of the Voting Rights Act. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh, it's, okay. it's going to totally I, escape me right now. Like, but since then, that the Voting Rights Act was actually working and was doing everything it was supposed to and making voting more accessible and more protected for all American citizens. Yeah. And that the and, Supreme Court case dismantling that opened up the floodgates for all of these other things to really roll back a lot of the gains that well, have been made. And I think the point that the Supreme Court tried to make in their, um, in their majority statement, which I obviously don't agree with them rolling it back, but their argument was, is that it wasn't applied fairly to all of the states, that these standards were just being, um, held towards states that had issues back in the 1950s. And they're saying now we're, you know, in the 2020s, 20 teens at that point in time. So we need to stop unfairly applying this. And they were basically saying it is the responsibility of Congress to come up with something that applies all of these rules to everyone. Right, because they weren't saying that, oh, yeah, things in the South are fine now. They were saying, yeah, they're bad still, but they're also bad other places. So you're being right. unfair to the South instead of saying, so let's expand this to everyone because – there's fuckery happening in other places, which, yes, I think one thing yes. we want to stress all the time is the North is not the good guys and the South are the bad guys. It's just not that. It's just not how it works. So no. the this bill would help be the answer yeah. to that court case decision, right. kind of kicking it back. Because the, the Supreme Court is saying, like, we can't. And, it, and it's true. They are not supposed to legislate things. Mm -hmm. They're just supposed to see if the standards are met by the current laws for how they're enforced yeah. and they were saying no they're not and so yes there's a problem but you can't apply it in this way throwing it back to congress to make something so this is what the for the people act is supposed to do um and it's i don't, i just don't understand joe manchin his argument and then the argument that people make is well we have to work with him because he's you know quote unquote on our side, although I don't know where he's on our side right now. Um, our but if being, he, like, being the liberal side, the left, being the progressive yeah, side, yeah. being that left side, because if he, he's basically does this because he has to, to get reelected in his, in the area that he's in, cause it's more conservative area. So the concern is he wouldn't get reelected and then a Republican would, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that that would be harder to work with. But at this point I'm like, would it? I mean, mm -hmm. it kind of just seems like there's already a Republican in office mm -hmm. for his seat. It's him and he's just pretending not to be. So I don't know. Maybe the best thing is just to 
try to get him out too and try to put somebody else in there. I don't know. I don't know all the local politics of that area, but it just seems frustrating that there's literally one person. It's like right now, Joe Manchin is like Supreme ruler, commander in chief (laughs) of the country. He has more power than anyone else right now because he is that tie breaking vote. And it seems like he knows that and oh, he's just I'm reveling 100%. in it. But I, it also makes me think like when you watch a basketball game or something, let's say, and there's like a buzzer beater and somebody misses it and you're like, ah, oh, they lost the game for us. You're like, well, actually the game went much longer. And if a lot of people at different moments would have made different plays, it wouldn't have hinged on that one person. So this right. is not my defense of Joe Manchin. Don't read it like that. <laughs> but it's just to say like, it's no. never just, it's, he's like the most visible crux of it right now yeah but there are lots of ways that that the political left could have should have would have gotten their shit together it wouldn't hinge on this one person so much so i i don't i don't want to like focus exclusively like oh if only he were just better it would be fine because and i'm not saying that's what you're saying but just it is frustrating to me that one that it is kind of all resting on this one person who can't be counted on to do the right thing. I mean, this, to me, the, the, um, this bill is so incredibly important because it's like the rules of the game, the game being democracy and trying to make it as fair as possible and as, as equitable as possible. And that is crucial for everything else that happens. So if you were going to like go out and know that like, I might lose my seat, this is the kind of bill you would do that for. Like this is to, preserve some kind of integrity in our system and to make sure that the rules of the game can't be rigged in a much more extensive way to favor a rule of an ideological minority like that, that just causes so many other ripple effect problems. So I would hope that someone would be like, you know what, this is a hill I'm going to die on this one. Well, and it reminds me of when we talked to Brie Carlson from people's action and she said, you know, these, fights just take longer. Like we want them all to be over, but it just takes a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of organizing and changing things from the grassroots. And I mean, the only answer that I see is like, okay, so we can't count on the vote from Joe Manchin's seat. Like we've got to get out there and get more from other places, Mm -hmm. but this bill not passing is going to make that harder harder. to happen. That's the point of it. That's the point of not passing this bill. It's the point of all the voter suppression laws that have been put in place in all of the States across the country is to make that, to make the rest of the game harder to play. So we can't get, up higher. Maybe we should just like replay Bree's interview for everybody because it was so good and I learned so much. And I think one of the important takeaways, like I don't identify with a particular political party because I get so frustrated with everybody, but I I think people's action being really issue focused and trying to figure out like, where are the people who care about this? And my guess is that there are people who might identify more on a right-leaning political spectrum who would also want this to be like ensure a fair system that don't bank on the fact that like we only want old white rich people to vote because they don't believe that those are the only people who care about their values. Like I think there are reasons to get everybody on board 
a more equitable system. Um, maybe not everybody, but it's not like, oh, just people on the left care about this issue. I think, I don't know. I don't want to be so cynical. Maybe I should be. But I mm-hmm. loved that. You can count Ray. on me for the cynicism. I know. I'll I know. Bring it. <laughs> we were just, Theo was telling me the other day, my little girl who's four, that in her preschool class, the teacher was telling them about honey and vinegar and that, you know, you, you can either like treat people with honey or you can treat them with vinegar. Mm. And she's like, I want to be honey. And, um, and I, I mean, I do too. I think that's what the teacher is trying to talk about, but in, in our duo, I think it's like honey and vinegar. <laughs> mm-hmm. They go well together. Yeah. And I love, vinegar. <laughs> I think vin- you yeah. don't want it to be overly sweet. That doesn't get us very far. So I don't yeah. know. I'm willing to, you know, shake my fist at Joe Manchin for sure, for sure. Like this bill is just too important. And everything we learned about in our first season about voting rights, I think for me, one of the huge takeaways was like post 19th amendment, just the decades of activism and work that had to go into ensuring access to the ballot box for all of these other communities, especially communities of color, indigenous folks. It's like they're the, and what Bria talked about too, is, you know, these, these efforts aren't linear. It's not like you win something and then it's won and then you don't have to worry about it again. Things can get rolled back. And we are definitely in a phase of that expansion of rights or those protections being threatened and being rolled back. And especially for people like us, whose vote is like not really called into question. What can we do with our position to try to push for a better system that gives access to everybody? Voting should be accessible to everyone who's a citizen. That's just how it should work. Here's what yeah. I'm thinking. Let's just like call that a mini sode and then we'll talk about LA Kemper next week. What do you think? Okay. Yeah. That All works. Right. Well, have a good day, everybody. <laughs> All right. Contact talk your legislators you and go yell at Joe Manchin. Yeah, find out yeah, and find out who's running in your state. Like who else can we get? We've got a these states where it's just taken for granted that Republicans are gonna win and there's nothing we can do about it. I feel like that is it self-defeating? It just, yeah, it is. Approach. It's self-defeating. Yeah. Yeah. So figure out who's running against those people and let's do something about it. So we don't have to count on Joe Manchin. And go back and listen to that interview with Brie Carlson because she's amazing and super inspiring. So check yep. it out. All right. Thanks. All have right. a good day. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.